Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumpy Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 27, Cody Garbrand versus Rob Font. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we give you all you need to know to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I'm giving you guys the interviews you want to hear. First, I'll be talking to Yancey Medeiros today as he gets ready for his upcoming fight this weekend. And then I'll be talking to Christos Diagos, fresh off of his $75,000 performance where he choked out Sean Soriano. He's talking about that and what's next for him. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Head on over to betterthan.vegas and browse, search, and follow fellow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. If you head on over there now, you can see me and Shockwave Dave drop picks each and every week for MMA, but there's also MLB, NHL, NBA, whatever sport is active right now, you can get it. So head on over to betterthan.vegas, follow the Top Turtle MMA page, you won't regret it. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Yancey Medeiros, who fights Zamir Hadzivik at UFC Vegas 27 on May 22nd. So, Yancey, I wanted to start with the fact it's been 15 months since we've seen you in the cage. You know, we last saw you February of 2020. What's been going on in that time away? What have you been up to, and what's kept you out for that long? Uh, the whole out thing was just, you know, I think when COVID hit, we made a lot of adjustments, and then towards fall and winter, I was... You know, I was trying to get things right with my team and regulating things with cornering. And so towards winter, like, you know, we just was trying to get to negotiations with fights. And, you know, just happened, just so happened, you know, May came around and ended up taking this fight. So, I mean, in the end, just making adjustments, right, to what was going around. And, you know, regardless of the injuries or whatever it is throughout the year, like, shit happened last year, so... Like I just was, I was trying to make ends meet, and certain things couldn't meet up with fights and negotiations. So we just took 15 months, bro. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a long time, I'm sure. And, and you know, like you said, training was was broken a little bit. You're working on doing this. You're working on doing that. Do, do you feel like you're rusty? Do you feel like you know you're you're more honed, having had that much time to work on technique? What, what do you feel like as far as you know preparing for this fight with Demir Hadzovic? Uh, for the most part, it's fucking the same shit, different toilet, right? You're going to fight, you're going to fight. It's all about being prepared and being ready. Are you ready or are you not? There's no, there's no oh, in-season or oh, off-season, you know, or in-season. It's You got to be prepared. And there were certain things holding me back and other things that I really wanted to work on and distinguish. I wasn't, I haven't been happy with my performance in these last, these last fights. You know, I'm coming off three losses. Like, uh, come on. 
quick, bro. You got to look at, uh, you know, you know what I mean? What's going on, you know? And, you know, through that COVID time, with everything going on, all like all all there was to do was look at what I could work on and make me better. You know what I mean? The last thing I needed to do was worry about the chaotic world, um, the chaos, you know, and what was going on in the world. I needed to be happy. I needed to be. I needed to be focused, and I needed to be, um, you know, progress, for, um, have progression, and be progressive. Well, and, and that that sounds like it, it's a good time away. And, and you mentioned the three losses. I did want to ask you about that, and whether or not you feel like leading into this fight, you, you feel more pressured to have to perform, you know, given that you, you do have, you know, not the best results recently? There's, like, that's a good question, but for me, it's not like, it's not the fact of having the pressure to perform, it's just the fact of, you know, going back and looking at my fights, like, I'm just waiting too much, bro. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of my whack, the whack-ass, you know, footwork I haven't been, you know, working on, and there's just a lot of things that you know, I have to, I've worked on and really want to, really want to show May 22nd. And it's just, I just, you know, I, everything happens for a reason. And I think this time is what I need to really see that. Absolutely. And and now l- let's talk about the Demir Hadzovic fight a little bit, because, you know, you said you, you feel like you're waiting around a little bit too much. You need somebody who's going to go in there and throw down with you and pull that maybe out of you even. Do, do you, when they said the name Demir Hadzovic, did he strike you as the type of guy who, who you can feel like you can go in there and just let loose on? No, I would I would honestly just feel whoever they gave me, bro. You know, I don't take this guy lightly. Um, I seen his last I seen his last fight. He just got caught. Everybody gets caught, bro. You know, that's nothing that's nothing for me to go off and take lightly. It's the fact that, you know, who's ever in front of me, I gotta show them the best Yancy. My gym sees it, my coach my cornerman, like all my coaches see see the Yancy that they feel needs to be there and I gotta show Hamir that on in May or in two weeks. You know, like that's 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 what I'm gonna show him next week Saturday. The the best Yankee version that everyone else sees and all I can say is the wait is over. <laughs> <laughs> on my end. On my end. You know what I mean? I'm done waiting bro. I'm done waiting. I'm you know always waiting on my in my fight during my fight, like, I'm just done waiting. The wait is over, bro, and I want to show that. And I feel like he's going to, he has all the attributes to bring that best fight, but he also has all the attributes to bring out the best Yancey. And I'm going to show that, you know, May 22nd. Well, we're, we're certainly excited for that. Now, you, you've made, you've alluded to a couple of times here that, that you feel like in your fights you've been waiting, 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 and, and maybe not pulling the trigger enough. And, and now you seem to have come to a realization that, that you're going to go in there. You're going to pull the trigger. What what sort of dawned on you, you know, now at this point when you had 15 months off, when you're, you're coming off a couple of losses in a row, what what allowed you to sort of see that that gap was not being, you know, that trigger was not being pulled, that that punch was not being thrown? What allowed you to make the change? Um, Just kind of keep collecting data. You know what I mean? It's like you watch a movie, right? You see a movie once and even no matter how much you liked it or disliked it, if you watch it again and you're, and you're really paying attention, you're going to see differences every time you watch it. More subtle, more subtle, more subtle. It's like the Matrix, bro. How many times you watch the Matrix? Because I watched that movie a shitload and every time I notice it, I learn something new. Right? Because it's intuitive because it's something I resonate with. It's a story. That's something I can... I can relate to, and I wanna, I wanna know more. Even though I've seen the script, I've known the script left and right. But I, how come you keep watching it, and then how come you keep finding things? It's the same thing you gotta do it yourself when you fight, right? And it's like you wanna know more. Are you content? Because I ain't content with what I've been producing, and I know what I can produce, and I ain't doing it. 
So you know, that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, what the hell are you not doing to to you know that you're not that you've been that you've done many many times before that came out so natural and why is it not coming out anymore? And you know, it will, and I just I just I just feel it, it was just me and it was a mental state of me waiting. You know, like I just wait too much. You know, even when I'm training, I waited. You know what I mean? Waiting for things. I just gotta go and be. I gotta go with my gut. I gotta go with my gut, my my first brain. I'm always just being too analytical with myself during the fight when I should be when I should just be flowing. And there is times where I'm like that, but there's also times where you know, like I just I I ain't like that. And now, like I said, it's just the weight, bro. That weight is off my shoulders, <laughs> and it's gonna be and it's gonna and it's gonna be shown May twenty second. It needs to be shown. It, it needs to be shown. My brand needs to be implemented, bro. <laughs> Well, we certainly want to see that. Now, I'm curious too. You know, you have obviously a good partnership and a relationship. You're good buddies with the Diaz brothers. We keep seeing yeah. Nick's name pop up in the the media about possibly fighting. We know that that Nate was supposed to have a fight at you know at the time of recording this upcoming weekend. Have you been working specifically with those two? And in how much did Nate you know kind of pulling out of this fight affect your ability to work with him? Well, in the in the you know, in the sense is like every time Nate has a fight, like I'm always trying to connect with him and you know fly down and support and you know be there as much as I can, um, camper and especially if he hits me up, you know he's like, hey, come true, camp's in town. But I had a fight my own, like I had a fight going on too with me, so it was it was comp- I usually would go if like I was closer to fights, but just because like when fights get closer. Like, the last thing you need to do is be working around things when you're injured or, you know what I mean? When you're at home, everything's settled. You've got your coaches, your cornermen all on this on this schedule ready to work with you. So I couldn't, like, I couldn't, for me, like, getting ready for my fight, like, you know, I need my, I need my cornermen in there and I have to, I have to stay home. So most, most times, like, camp-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm in Hawaii and then when I'm not in camp, I try and go and cross-train or, you know, connect with the boys again. You know, um, get my get my rounds in. You know, I I still rep. I still hold it down for Nick Diaz Academy. I'm in in Hawaii. I rep it out there. You know, that's all my boys. That's all my Cali fam. Like I'll always I'll always pay my homage and have my respect, man. Like Randy Spence, um, Lucas Gamaza, and freaking uh, and they're the ones, bro. That you know teach they 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 legit teachers at NBA. And you know, I was I, I learned. A sh- I mean, of course, Nick and Nate. I'm always learning things from them, but. You know, there's the real teachers in there that actually, you know, hold it down and give that time to that school. And, you know, I, I always say homage to them. Well, that that certainly makes a lot of sense. And we're glad you're focused on this fight for yourself as well. And before I let you go, I always like to ask my fighters if they can give me a prediction. How do you see this one ending with Demir Hadzovic on May 22nd? Bro, it's like, I don't have any predictions. I have intent, right? And my intent is kill or be killed. And if I ain't trying to punch your head off, I'm trying to rip it off. It's just, just like that. That's all it is, bro. When I fight, like, I ain't got no predictions, bro. I have intent. What you ain't trained for. I trained to kill. That's it, bro. Like, I ain't trying to take it. You know what I mean? Take my opponent. Take it as personal as you want. There's no way I'm coming from. And I'll do it with a smile before the fight. Be, be, before the fight, I can show my respect. You know what I mean? I can show my respect and give however what I need. But I ain't disrespectful. And I don't think... He ain't going to disrespect me before the fight. I won't allow that. (laughs) Well, we're excited to see the fight, and we're looking for that new weightless mentality here from Yancey Medeiros, who once again fans fights Demir Hadzovic at UFC Vegas 27 
on May 22nd. Yancey, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Aloha, brother. You have a beautiful day. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Yancey Medeiros. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby Freeland, now joined by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. Charles Oliveira is the lightweight champ. How long do you feel like that's going to last? LOL, Gumby. You're not saying, man, can you believe how long it took for him to become champ? Can you believe what a quiet Hall of Fame career he's put together with the most finishes, or excuse me, the most subs, the most KOs? And now a champion, no, no, you want to frame this as how long will it last? Uh, I'm with you on it. I don't think we're in a long Charles Oliveira, Charlie Olives era, but I'm super excited for him, and I think this solidifies him as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I think it does too, and, and I didn't mean to phrase that in a way that, like, I, I'm, you know, I think it's unbelievable that he would be able to rattle off two or three title defenses, but it is, like, just a ridiculously tough time right now at lightweight to imagine anybody holding onto the belt for a little while you know we have that like long bj pen run where he held onto the belt for seemingly forever we have the the you know habib era which it felt long but i guess he didn't have all that many d- defenses either two two, ti- two title defenses yeah so, so not much there either and, and if you look at the run before that it, it seems like there was virtually nothing between you know Frankie Edgar, who I guess had a couple in there, and Benson Henderson. Who... He only he only he he only had one because oh, he drew. If you don't yeah, if you don't count the uh, the draw or as a title defense. So then he then he technically would have had two right because he beat BJ Penn in the rematch, and then he beat Gray Maynard right. in the rematch. So so two, but like two in a draw. See, so like again, not many. Benson, not many. You know Pettis, not many. You know like we're we're talking about a while since there's been like a really stable lightweight champion and a lot of that is because of you know it's the toughest weight class out there and i don't think there's a a close second so yeah like i'm ready to see Oliveira versus poye you know i actually think him versus connor would probably be the most boring of all of them you know i i'd watch him versus chandler again i'd watch him versus gaichi you know there's up and comers like islam makachev and, and gregor gillespie and like but neil dariush looked amazing this past weekend like all of those matchups just like scream tons of excitement and, and it's it'll be interesting to see how, how many of these he can put together yeah it's very interesting because i think habib would have been the guy to kind of um you know lock it down and maybe start like an era so to speak and we didn't get that and you're so right i mean there's so much depth there like you think about it and i think i said this to you off air as we say in the biz that connor more or less you know, probably on his way out, considering the amount of money he makes. He's said even before he doesn't want to deal with CTE. We're seeing the tail end of Cowboy Cerrone's career, a division stalwart for the last several years. Uh, we're seeing the tail end and downs, downside of Tony Ferguson's career. He's been in the top five for the last several years. And uh, it almost doesn't matter. There's still so many exciting matchups. Benil Darush all of a sudden as a number three uh, contender here and it's legit like I don't think that's a bad ranking for him I can't wait to see him against Charlie Olives or Michael Chandler and it's also worth noting that Michael Chandler not only came within an eyelash I think of really hurting Charlie Olives I mean he stunned him which forced Charlie Olives to say fuck this I'm going for a takedown to recover and then Chandler almost guillotined him I mean that was a tight guillotine tough to pull off like an arm in these days but, you know, Chandler's still at the top. This division is so, just like you said, it's so much depth, so many fun matchups. 
I just can't get over that. We, you know, we've lost Khabib. We're probably about to lose Connor. And I'm not even like that sad about it, given the matchups we have to play with here. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of guys just kicking out around just outside of the top 15 too, that, that like maybe people don't know his household names, like Rafael Fiziev and Demir Ismagulov is going to be back this weekend. That dude's a beast. Um, you know, Armand Sarkurian is a beast. There's like a bunch of guys too, who, while the the average fan might not even know their name yet, uh, you know, like I think they're they're just just a tiny even Brad Riddell, who was supposed to fight Gregor Gillespie, um, a bunch of guys who who could make this division even more exciting than it already is too. Besides Brad Riddell, I want you to repeat the three names you brought up as hovering on outside the top fifteen. Absolutely, it sounded like you're reading an eye chart. Armand Sarkurian, and Sarkurian <laughs> starts with a T. Uh, Demir Ismagulov, who fights this weekend, <laughs> and who? Do, oh, Rafael Fiziev was the other one. Yeah, and, and and yeah, they're all from that part of the world, right? Like I think Ismagulov, if I'm not mistaken, is Uzbek. Oh man, I'm gonna mess up where they're from. Fiziev is from the same place as Shevchenko. He's Kyrgyzstani. Is that what what she is? Um, and then who's the other one I said? Oh, Sarkurian, I know, is Armenian. Oh, now I'm going to say I know, and I'm going to be wrong. But yes, a, a very hard part of the world for me to get the names right. <laughs> All right. Well, Eastern Europe, it's it's coming up in the 155-pound division of the UFC. I'll tell you what else I'm excited about besides some of those up-and-coming contenders. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays, this time for UFC Vegas 27. And before we get into it, Gumby, one may wonder if any fine company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it doesn't matter. Log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log your competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. All in the palm of your hand. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app wherever it is you download your apps. What an interesting main event. Uh, both guys are coming in at minus 110. You have Cody Garbrandt, minus 110. Rob Font, minus 110, which is to say Vegas doesn't know what the fuck to make of this. Uh, Garbrandt, the former champ, lost three in a row. Uh, he lost his Bantamweight championship to TJ Dillashaw, then lost again in the rematch, both via TKO. That feels like ages ago at this point, considering TJ Dillashaw has since been suspended, served that suspension, and is about to come back. He then lost to Pedro Munoz via TKO back in March of 2019, came back last year in the pandemic, no fan era, and beat Rafa Sansao via KO. Feels like we got the old Cardi, Cody Garbrandt back. So on a one-fight win streak, if you will, but one and three in his last four, and he's facing a surging uh, Rob Font. Rob Font lost to the aforementioned Rafa Sansao back in July of 2018 via unanimous decision. Came back and reeled off three wins in a row since that time. Beat Sergio Pettis, beat Ricky Simon, and coming off a huge TKO win over Marlon Moraes back in December of 2020. It was a performance of the night, and I mean, geez, he beat Marlon Moraes, who's been at the top of the division here. Um, you know, fought uh, Henry Cejudo for the vacant, vacant bantamweight championship. You have to figure a Rob Font win puts him in instant title contention who you got here i think i'm gonna go with rob font in this one um the, the thing for me about cody garbrand when you look at a lot of his fights 
the guy looks like he's going to take a technical approach and I'm not, I'm not pretending to be like a great analyst here because everybody knows this. He, he looks like he's going to fight a technical fight for about 35 seconds uh, and then immediately goes into brawl mode. Uh, we saw it against Pedro Munoz. We saw it against Rafael Asuncao. I mean, that punch he knocked out Asuncao with it is, I mean, like he threw it literally from his ass. Like his, his hand backed all the way up. He turned and like, yeah, he executed him with it. And, and, you know, like not that it wasn't a good knockout, not that he shouldn't give props for it, but like, he he's turned into a little bit of a brawler and he's been getting beat by guys who can out technical him and can you can put together a better technical fight than him or who just tag him in a brawl right because Pedro Munoz obliged him in a brawl and heck he even beat him at that so the thing for me about Rob Fawn is I think he has that technical nature in him to win this fight and in addition to that too I think he's got the heavy hands to hurt Garbrand if he does overextend himself so yeah, I think Rob Font uh, is an interesting pick here. I did think, I will say, I thought he was going to be an underdog in this fight. I'm very surprised it's coming in at even money. I think that's probably a little bit more accurate than him coming in at dog money. Um, but I still like him here as a straight-up pick. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with anything you say. I think Cody Garbrandt can be out-techniqued. I think we saw that with TJ Dillashaw. I think... Uh, you know, they'll meet in the center of the octagon and these guys are not afraid to throw down and press forward. And it could just be a question of who tags who first. But if we are anticipating maybe more of a chess match, I like Rob Font in the long haul chess match of a five round fight. Let's go then to another tightly uh, contested fight when it comes to odds. Uh, Yan Jiaonan is a minus 125 favorite. And why wouldn't she be? She's never lost in the UFC, but Bit of a decision monster here. Uh, six fights in the UFC, all of them won via decision. So her and Caitlin Chikagian could have a contest for decision monster of the women's side of the UFC. She's fighting Carla Esparza, uh, who's on a four-fight win streak, actually, since losing to Claudia Gedalia and Tatiana Suarez, two of the tops of the division. Back-to-back, uh, -back, she lost to them back in 2018. She's since reeled off wins over Virna, Jindaraba, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, and coming off a split decision win over Marina Rodriguez. Certainly wants to make it five in a row here, but our girl Janown is surging at six fights in a row. Uh, again, Janan, a minus 125 favorite. Asparza, a very slight plus 105 dog. Who you got? I'm going to take Yan Chonan in this one, and I actually feel pretty confident in this one because the thing about Carla Esparza is she, she's been working on her hands. They definitely look a lot better than they used to, but she's kind of in that boat of somebody who's uh, made large gains with her hands and people are happy about that, but at the same time is way, way, way behind where Yan Chonan is with her technical striking and with her volume. Uh, and the thing about Carla Esparza's wrestling, too, if she does decide to lean on that, when somebody does a good job of keeping their distance from her, she actually has a very hard time taking them down. You mentioned the win over Michelle Watterson. In that fight, Michelle Watterson does a good job of keeping distance. 1-10 in taking Michelle Watterson down, who's, you know, not for anything, actually probably an atom weight fighter. She's not even really a straw weight. You know, the, the UFC just doesn't have her actual division. And, and when you look at Shaunan, she's somebody who stuffed eight of Claudia Gedalia's takedowns. And 
Quadrica Dahlia, I think, is is probably in the same ballpark as, as Carla Esparza when it comes to wrestling. So, you know, pair the fact that she does keep really good distance and that being something that gives Carla Esparza trouble with the fact that Carla Esparza also, you know, has been leaning on her boxing and maybe has even, you know, dare I say, fallen in love with it. And I don't think that's particularly a good idea against Shaunan. I just think Shaunan is going to hit her with too much volume and, and stay away from those takedowns enough to win a decision here. Uh, I think you're probably right. I think we're headed towards a decision win for either uh, lady, and I probably lean on the side of Zhao Nan for yet another decision victory racked up. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I don't even know if these odds are out yet, but I'd love to know the prop on Janan via finish and maybe even something crazy in the first round. I bet it'd be something like plus 70,000 <laughs> Bitcoin and a Tesla from Elon Musk if it happens. Now, let's move on to the next uh, fight. And this one I have, I'm actually very excited about because I'm uh, interested to see where these two fighters' career paths go. I love looking at a UFC fighter's resume and it always tells a bit of a story, and sometimes you get these fights that are at critical crossroads in a fighter's career. And I can't say this for Edwin uh, for Edwin Shabazian. I'll get to him in a second, but definitely for Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman debuted in the UFC. Actually, Gumby, this is a great question to you off the top of your head. Do you know when Marshman debuted in the UFC? Jack Wait, Jack Marshman or Jack Hermanson? Oh, sorry, Jack Hermanson, sorry. Hermanson, Jack Hermanson. Hermanson. Jack Marshman's a whole different one. Jack Hermanson, he, he's had to have been in there for a while, right? Because he fought Tiago Santos back when he was a middleweight. So I got to say he's been here for six years. Yeah, you're, you're right on the money. Uh, he debuted in November of 2016, and he has had um, 11 fights in the which just seems kind of crazy to me because, like, I don't know, just when I was thinking about it, like, under my head, I feel like, I don't know, three, four years ago. But that extra two, I think, makes a difference. He's been around for a long time. And you look at it, he debuted with a win over Scott Askham, but then lost to Cesar Ferrara. Okay, he's one and one. Reels off two wins against Alexis, Alex Nicholson and Brad Scott. Okay, now he's three and one. Then he runs into the hammer that is Tiago Santos. Now he's three and two. But then he reels off four wins in a row over the likes of Talis Lates, David Branch, Gerald Mearshart, and Jacare Souza. That's a hell of a four-fight win streak. But then runs into Jared Cannonier back in September of 29, gets TKO'd. Okay, comes back against Calvin Gastelum, who took the now champion to the brink in a five-round war, and he hooks him for a win back in uh, last year, July of 2020. Okay, great. Now he fights Marvin Vittori, who's surging towards the title shot himself. Fight of the night, back in December of 2020, he loses via unanimous decision. So it's been a lot of highs and a couple of lows, and he needs to put together a string of wins here to kind of go on that Charles Oliveira run to the title, if you will. And he's facing a guy in Shabazian who started in the UFC with a lot of hype comes into Dana White's Contender Series with a big TKO win and then reels off wins over Darren Stewart, Charles Bird, Jack Marshman, which is why that name is in my <laughs> head. He rear naked choked him, and Brad Tavares via KO. But then Shabazian runs into his first loss in his pro career, his first loss in the UFC, obviously, and that's to Derek Brunson back in August of 2020. So he is coming off a loss, as is uh, Jack Hermanson to Marvin Vittori, 
losing to the tops of the division. Both these guys need a win in the worst way. Hermanson, the minus 155 favorite. Shabazian, a plus 135 dog. Who you got? I actually think I'm going to go with Shabazian in this one. Uh, Yeah. And, and yeah, I I like – I've been back and forth on this. I actually think it's really hard to call because when you look at Shabazian's resume, it is really hard to determine exactly where he is because you look at that list of people he's beat and nobody – jumps off the page as a like a signature win right like his signature win is brad tavares which you know no offense to brad tavares but he's not really anybody's signature win um and his only loss is to Derek brunson and, and let me tell you something i don't think anybody in the whole world is as high on Derek brunson as i am because i actually think he's low-key a, a threat at middleweight right now and and i would actually like to see him and i know marvin vittori is getting the title shot I would actually rather see Derek Brunson get to his rematch against uh, Idesanya right now because I think the way he's he's fixed his game is actually more significant than Vittori. So I, it's hard for me to gauge where Shabazian exactly is at, but at his youth and his level, like he needed one of those losses to learn from it. And, and I think like skill-wise, it's there, right? Like I love his grappling. I, I love what he does on the ground. Uh, I love how he pours on elbows and, and like, there's just so many things to like about Shabazian. You know, I don't, I have to like resist making a head movement joke, but like his boxing doesn't look bad, but, you know, like despite the fact that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the best boxing coach, but like, uh, you know, like, I think all of the tools are there and being that he's as young as he is, I, I expect to see like big growth from that loss. And, and for Hermanson, not for anything, but like, Guys who've been in there and have been able to match his physicality have done really well against him, right? Cesar Fajeda beat him, you know, you mentioned. And I don't think Cesar Fajeda is better than him, but he matched his his physicality. And same with Marvin Vittori, who's an absolute beast, or Jared Cannonier, Tiago Santos, who's really a 205er now. Like, all of those guys were able to go in there and be physical with Jack Hermanson. And a lot of the guys who he beat, weren't able to um or or fell into a guillotine one of the two so um yeah i just don't think shabazian falls into that submission and i i like his his ability to wrestle here and, and his ability to strike with hermanson i think he's faster than hermanson too that, i mean yeah, you that, can just that's look a good at, point yeah yeah and just the difference in age and everything else but you know, it's like I said, I, this is a fight I'm very interested to see. And again, I think it has big repercussions on where they both go. Let's move on. Let's get to our dog of the week. And it's Chris Barnett, uh, plus 255 over <laughs> Big Ben Rothwell. Love that guy. Break it down. So first of all, it's wild that Ben Rothwell comes in at this big of a favorite. But if he's going to do it, it's against like the ultimate highlight reel journeyman in, in Chris Bennett or Barnett. Uh, look, if you haven't learned about who Chris Barnett is, you need to start YouTubing him because he's one of the most entertaining fighters on the planet. The dude is all but 5'9". Maybe, I think he's tipped the scales at 320 before at 5'9". He's an absolute tank. But let me tell you something. I think a lot of people have written off the fact that he's kind of a journeyman. He's bent, He's got a weird physique. You know, he's, he's a goofball. But in all of that, he is a Taekwondo black belt and he is an absolute beast with his striking. He's incredibly agile for his size. I'm a little bit worried about how he deals with the height here of Rothwell, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he chopped Rothwell down with leg kicks because let me tell you something, his kicks are so powerful. We're going to see spinning stuff out of him. We're going to see maybe jumping spinning stuff out of him. This is a fight that you want to circle as 
probably going to be weird and exciting. And if you get a heavyweight at plus 255, come on. Like, heavyweight fights are closer to a coin flip than plus 255 pretty much no matter who is in them. So you get an unknown guy like this with crazy KO power against a guy who, you know, Ben Rothwell is old and kind of been beat up a whole bunch of times. He's coming off a loss to Marcin Tybura, and we're just going to plug him in as like a negative 300 favorite. No, I'm going with, I'm going with Huggy Bear here, Chris Barnett. Yeah, I think that's a good play. My worry with him would be losing via submission to one of Ben Rothwell's favorite front chokes just because he doesn't have that background. But, you know, believe it or not, looking at his record, he actually does not have a loss via submission, which is just insane to me. So he's one of those guys that seems to be able to keep things standing on his feet. We'll move on then. Our parlay to play, Bill Algio, minus 120. Justin Taffa, minus 185. Pair them together... And you get plus 185. Let's hear it. So first of all, nobody is a bigger Bill Algio supporter than I am. If you've never watched his his debut fight against Ricardo Lamas, he took that fight on short notice and fought Ricardo Lamas. First of all, that's an insane ask for anybody in their first fight. And he went 15 minutes of absolute wartime with Ricardo Lamas. And it was such a fun fight. So you know that Bill Algio is pretty much as tough as they come. He goes out in a sophomore effort and absolutely takes it to Spike Carlisle. So I think he is legit in this division. And to be fighting somebody like Ricardo Ramos, who I think is kind of overrated. I've kind of always thought he was overrated. He, you know, he beat Ayman Zahabi way back when after getting the crap beat out of him for three rounds. He lends a spinning back elbow. All of a sudden, he's on all kinds of highlight reels and people are talking about him as a, you know, a big up and comer. I think that kind of inflated how good he was. So this line winds up being real close at negative 120, and I love Bill Algio at it. For me, Justin Taffa is another slam dunk here because while I like Jared Vandera, the guy is just kind of a grappler, and he's one of those grapplers that kind of doesn't have any way to get it to the ground. He needs his opponent to, and he's going in there with a dude who just slugs. Um, Justin Taffa got big punching power. An incredible striker. He's like Mark Hunt Jr. from New Zealand. So, yeah, I like Justin Taffa here. I think he gets it done early. And Bill Algio's toughness is for sure going to take him right through Ricardo Hamosh. Boom. Uh, We're pretty good at what we do. We like to pat ourselves on the back because we think we deserve it. But, hey, let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with some of these picks. We'll be live tweeting during the show this weekend at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. You can, of course, follow us on IG under the same at Top Turtle MMA. And, hey, go to iTunes. Leave a review for us. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio. We sure do appreciate it. We love bringing you this show. Gumby, this train is a moving. It's a rumbling. It's a going down the track. Let's keep going. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Christos Iagos. He's coming fresh off a $75,000 performance of the night performance against Sean Soriano. He talks about that submission. He talks about what's next for him. He talks about what he's going to do with the money. And you can catch that all right now. All right, and joining me today is Christos Iagos, fresh off of his performance of the night submission of Sean Soriano. So, Christos, I, I want to start talking about that submission. Obviously, you put him all the way to sleep. Did you feel like when you first started locking it up, it was that deep? Absolutely. As soon as I had it, I knew I had it locked. So that's why I wrapped the leg right away. As soon as, when I wrap the leg, that means I'm comfortable with where my hands are. And as soon as I wrapped the leg, I knew it was a wrap. But, you know, it worried me because I didn't 
feel him struggle. And then all of a sudden I felt his body kind of go limp. So uh, I started looking back to the ref and I was, yo, yo, he's out, he's out, he's out. And then once he stopped it, it was, it was a wrap. But like, I knew I had it. I just, I got a little worried because I didn't see him struggle. You know, and, and what do you think the reason for that was? Do you, do you think he was just trying to find that inch to breathe that you do sometimes in jujitsu, or, or do you think it was more of uh, maybe he didn't think you had it? Yeah, um, uh, I think he knew I had it. I think uh, he was trying to stay calm, try to get some air, or maybe I just had him so trapped that he couldn't even really struggle. Who knows? I just know that I got it, and I'm stoked. And it's one of my it's one of my, it's one of my top submissions I go for. Uh, my first one in the fight, but. Uh, I, I just got to be comfortable with taking a little bit more risk in fights, and, and you go, you'll see a lot more of that happening. Well, it definitely paid off. Now, now I got to ask, it's the first fight of the night. It's an absolutely amazing submission that puts the dude to sleep. It's got bonus written all over it, but how nervous were you watching the rest of that fight card, which was filled with fun fights and, and bonus potential, when you know that your bonus is potentially on the line? Oh, man. Like I said, it's hard to be the first fight and get the bonus. I already knew that. And then um, when 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 they when the dude snapped, sorry when the dude snapped Jacare's arm, I was like, oh god, you know. But then watching it, I was like, you know what? I don't really see a fight of the night contender. You know, the Shane Burgos and Estebabosos was entertaining. It, it, to me, it didn't really seem like a fight of the night. So I was like, you know what? I think they're gonna give out four bonuses, and Edson might get a bonus. So I was like, I, they might give out four bonuses instead of uh, a fight of the night. You know, like they do sometimes. So. I was like, there's five finishes, there's four bonuses, you know, there's, there's a good chance that I, I got this. So, but then um, when, when, when I heard that, I saw the fight and I was like, shit, this one's going to give up two. And then my manager starts messing with me saying that he's backstage with them and he doesn't think I'm going to get it, but he was just joking with me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then someone sent me the press conference and I was like, ah, I just started screaming inside the hotel. Everyone was like looking at me and then started wanting to take pictures with me and all that. Did, did you know ahead of time, too? Because obviously the, the Tony Ferguson interview to get them to bump it up to 75 from 50. Were you aware of that going into? Was that something that was on the back of your mind? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I said it in my interview. I said, this is what happens when Dana White offers 75 instead of 50. <laughs> you get those kind of finishes. Now, I, I got to ask, obviously, like, you know, 75K, that, that's a huge change in the amount you were scheduled to make now. Do you got big plans for it, or is that just stashed away for a rainy day? I got huge plans. I uh, I am, what's it called, going to invest my money smart. I want to buy some property. I want to, you know, have a house to live in, and I just want to be smart with my money because, you know, I can't fight forever, so I just can't blow it, and I can't do anything stupid and just be smart with how I spend it. I got a wife now. I want a kids in the future, so... My, 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 my plan is to be smart with it and invest it in the right ways. Well, that's awesome to hear, and I, I hope you find the, the perfect house for you and your new family. Now, I, I got to ask, too, about, about the, the trajectory you're on right now because you have won four out of your last five. That's two in a row, and two in a row looking damn good doing so. What are you looking for next here in an opponent? What, what do you think is next for Christos Yagos? I want to give Cowboy Cerrone his retirement fight. I want that more than anything. Um, that's probably the number one, but to be honest, I've always fought whoever they give me and I'll continue to do so. I'm just hoping me asking for it might, might open their eyes a little bit. I think I deserve it. I think it'll be good for him, but good for me and good for the UFC. And, and obviously other than the name value of Cowboy Cerrone and the fact that, you know, he, he's a legend of the sport and he's been in the UFC for, you know, a hundred years, it feels like, is there something else that you like about that matchup stylistically or, or just, you know, as far as what it does, 
I mean, obviously, it does a lot for your career to beat a name like that. Yeah, but... a little bit of everything. You know, I definitely would love to use his name for my benefit. I'm not going to lie, uh, you know, sort of being honest. But I also think uh, he's on his way out. I'm on my way up. And I think stylistically, I match up well. You know, maybe him and his prime will be a lot tougher fight. But I think uh, I think maybe his confidence is, is, is not as where as it used to be. And um, I think he just loves the fight and, and, and wants to try to give one more. But I think his, his time is out. That's interesting. Now, I, I want to ask, too, you know, obviously it looked like you came out of that fight unscathed. Is, is there a time frame you're looking to get back in there? When when do we expect to see you, if uh, all goes well, back in the cage? Uh, it all depends, you know, to be honest. Uh, if Cowboy wants it, it's probably going to be later in the year because I think he wants some time off. So hopefully that gets set up. If not, um, it all, it may. I think it depends on, on what fight because uh, if it's going to be a tough fight, I'd want a whole camp, and uh, I'm going to be in the process of moving to Florida for a couple of years, and um, so there's, there's a couple of things I got to deal with myself. Um, I would love to get back there as soon as possible. I love the fight a lot, but um, I'm going to have to make this move in July, and once I get settled in, uh, but I'm going to stay in shape. I'm not going to stop training while I'm moving. So um, you never know. It, it can be you know two three months. It can be five six months. So. Hopefully, it's around the four-month mark. If I can fight by like in September, it would be ideal because I'm going to get married in October. The big one, the big wedding is going to be October. So I would love to uh, fight in September if that's possible. Well, and congratulations on the, the big version of your wedding at some point in time, as I know, obviously, it's been uh, a really weird time for anybody looking to get married. Now, I, I got to ask you, you, you said the move to Florida. Is, is that... Is there training behind that? Is there family behind it? What's what's the thought process behind uh, changing where um, you You know, just right now, me and my wife are not a whole big fans of California. We do want to raise our family here, but, you know, everyone's moving out of California. And she got a really good opportunity with her work um, to uh, – to, to hold it down in Florida and medical device sales because LA is kind of packed with it and they don't have a single rep out there. So uh, she has an opportunity to make a lot of money and um, uh, it's a good change for us. Real estate's a lot cheaper and uh, obviously, you know, some of the best MMA gyms in the world are out there and it's right around the area where we want to move. So um, it, it kind of worked out for both of us. I don't really want to switch camps, to be honest. I love my team. So I might end up coming out here for my camp and just finding a spot to train out there. I haven't uh, decided completely yet. We're going to leave Monday to go scope it out. And, uh, you know, just going to kind of go from there, you know. I kind of like to take one thing one day at a time. I like that. like that. And, and definitely opportunities to work with a bunch of different great teams down there. Now, before I let you go, I, I did want to ask, too, because I asked you previously before the fight started that you were going to be on the same card as Charles Oliveira for the second time. You know, the last time you were on the same card as him, you were fighting him. So, uh, yeah. you know, you get a chance to be on that same exact card. You win a nice bonus, look good doing it. And then later on in the night, you get to see a former opponent win a title. What, what was that like? What are the feelings going through your head when you see him, you know, a, a guy who you put up, hey, maybe a better fight than, than Michael Chandler even did. Uh, what, what was it like seeing that guy take the belt home? Uh, it uh, definitely felt good. It felt really good to... um. To, to, to know that, like, I, I I stepped in there with, you know, the best in the world. Now you can say he is right now currently the best in the world. So knowing that uh, I shared the octagon with somebody like that, it definitely boosts my confidence. It definitely makes my stock go up, I feel like, you know. So um, I was rooting for him to win because I always like to see people I fight, whether they win or lose, whether I win or lose, always do well in a sport. Because whether I win or lose, I want them better they do, you know, the less – Less whack I look. <laughs> you know, so, um, 
it's just always I always root them on, you know, and I, I really hope Sean 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 uh gets down to forty five and makes a killing at it. So um I just uh uh, I'm stoked with everything, and he got the bonus. You know, we got the first fight of the night and the last fight of the night. We both get the performance bonuses, so it's pretty cool that it worked out that way. Yeah, absolutely, and it was really awesome to watch you back in there again, Christos, and we wish you the best of luck whenever that next fight comes with the move and, of course, with the big winning. Once again, fans, this is Christos Diagos, who was fresh off his performance of the night submission to Sean Soriano. Christos, thanks so much for the time, man. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you all. Plus, we want to thank our sponsors, Benavan Vegas and Maroon Social, as well as our mothership, CagesidePress.com. And as a friendly reminder, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA. We give you all kinds of extra great content there, so make sure you follow along. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.